February is a big month for Metal Blade Records, with releases from two of Metal's brightest acts on the horizon, Cult of Luna and Allegion. Cult of Luna are back with The Long Road North. It's coming out February 11th. The Long Road North stands as an engrossing, cinematic experience that draws inspiration from Sweden's northernmost regions. Watch the video for the first single, Cold Burn, and read more about guest appearances, concepts, and processes behind the album at metalblade.com slash cult of luna. And then make sure on February 25th you are pre-ordering Allegions because they are set to release their new album, Damn em, Latin for Loss. And it's the biggest statement for the band's 10-plus year career. With this album, it was more about knowing what we didn't want, stated vocalist Riley McShane. With death so prevalent in society, as well as within the personal lives of the band, the band has crafted their most personal and creatively ambitious outing yet. Watch the video for the first single, Into Embers, now at metalblade.com slash Make sure you're pre-ordering the new Cult of Luna, the Long Road North, February 11th, and the new Allegion. Guys, damn them. It's coming out February 25th. Go to metalbladerecords.com slash Cult of Luna, metalbladerecords.com slash Allegion. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petr Spych, Brandon Hahn, and Sylvia Alvarado. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, all of our friends out there? It is I, your host, Petr Spych. I am always joined by... They call me Brandon Hahn because my name is Brandon Hahn. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And make sure to follow our other co-hosts. That is Jocelyn Sharp, J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N Sharp. Um, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, The Wizard of Jaws on TikTok, and of course, Sylvia Alvarado at It's the Sylvia on Twitter and Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, I am at our other podcast handle that is at Rise to Offend on Facebook and Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on the good old Instagram. Back on the show. Oh, it's like a friend having Will Putney back on. We got Will Putney, dude, Fit for an Autopsy, and we are here to talk about the latest record from Fit for an Autopsy. Oh, what the future holds. It just came out. It is a fucking banger. Make sure you guys are putting your ears on this album. They knock it out of the park. This band has just been stepping up every time, but man, what an amazing record. Oh, what the future holds. It's out right now. But before we jump into our interview, me and Brandon here, we're going to talk a little bit shit about the Metal Sucks News. Education we're giving ya Manipulating facts with opinions We got you in the palm of our hands Pushing you to hate is part of the plan So thanks for the power you've gifted us We're worthy of your mind and all of your trust Dying for our cause, you'll never regret it It's Metal Sucks News, prepare for your lesson We'll take good care of your soul You'll be safe under our control First story we're going to talk about. First story, I, I don't know if it's the big story. It felt like the big story. Judas Priest. Andy Sneap, fantastic producer, engineer. Man, some of our favorite records. Look at what this guy's done. He's, he's a fucking legend. I always tie him to Nevermore for some reason because, I don't know, what he did with Enemies of Reality after that was first released really meant a lot to me, right? Just a fantastic dude. He has been touring as the second guitar player for Judas Priest the last four years, but Judas Priest has announced now that they are going to tour as a four-piece, which, of course, all the fan base, 50 years later, saying, okay, you guys got the dual guitar attack. You got KK and Glenn Tipton. I mean, this is like one of the legendary guitar lineups are going to only have one guitarist on stage, and uh, fans seem to not be too stoked about this news. Um, Brandon, I'm going to go to you, but the only band I can think of that did this um, successfully eventually, if I may, is Sepultura. Um, and I remember the first time I saw them with Derek Green, it felt more like a hardcore show. Like, like I'm listening to a rise, but in a hardcore format with the one guitar player, right? It didn't sound the same. We can all honestly say that, right? Right. So, but Sepultura could sound good in that hardcore format and that Derek Green presence and awesomeness on stage, in my opinion. Judas Priest, I mean, uh, the big highlight right now to me is usually that dual guitar attack live. The last, uh, I want to say, three or four times I've seen him live. So to eliminate that 
Is that is that is that kind of scary sounding to you, or you think they're going to use backing guitar licks, or what? Do you, what are your thoughts? Give me some. Come on, bring it. They better not. If they use backing guitar licks, I'm going to be really angry. If you're going to do this, if you're going to have the guitar player combine the guitar solo somehow, then maybe it'll work. But that was the thing. That's what made Judas Priest stand out more than anybody was the dueling guitars. They would get. They would get. You know. Glenn and KK would go back and forth, and it was amazing. That's what made Judas Priest Judas Priest. That's what made heavy metal heavy metal. I mean, that was, that was one of those things that made metal metal. In, in fairness, if anybody listens to Firepower, the last record they did, uh, it was universally acclaimed. I mean, best of lists. Everybody loved it. I'm a fan of Firepower as well. There's not a lot of the dual guitar attack. It is. It does sound like it, a lot of that was taken out. And later on, we found out that Glenn Tipton... I believe had Parkinson's, and I don't know if it was during the recording, so I don't want to speculate anything that's not true. But maybe they were just doing a single guitar thing, and that record turned out really well. But clearly, when we see Priest live, all these classic well, hits—they're the difference between Firepower and you know Screaming for Vengeance—is because Firepower released the songs that way. If you're going to go back and play some of the songs from Screaming for Vengeance, where the dual guitar is so prevalent. Like, how do you do that? How do you make it still sound like the song? I mean, it's like there is a moment where, where they would go back and forth and you would get lost in that moment. Now it's not going to be there. Okay, so now we're – because news is so fast, now let's go to a, maybe a positive to this, right? The news is so fast. Things have to go into place. This was happened. Andy Sneap said he was disappointed but totally going to produce a new record. It still loves the guys. It was a dream come true, which I think for any guitarist, I mean, would say the same thing. Do you think they're paving the road for KK Downing to come back into the fold? It seems like that's not likely, considering he just put out the KK's Priest record. But do you think that is on the horizon? It's a 50th anniversary tour, and KK is very, very, very much important member of Judas Priest. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, if money's involved, KK's back in the band. And if you're talking 50th anniversary, count him in. I see. Okay. That's how I feel too. But like, I, I don't know. There seems to be, I, I, I don't know. I feel like we're Art is dead. Art is dead. <laughs> Art is not dead. <laughs> if KK comes back, I do think they will sell more tickets. Dude, we've, heard just, we've heard Judas Priest songs and like Carl's Jr. commercials, man. I mean, it's like, yeah. Which one? I remember I just know. like the, the, the like babes, like getting, sauce on their chest in Carl's Jr. commercials. No, it might not, it might, was that a Judas Priest not, song? It makes sense to me, I guess. No, you got another been, thing coming. It might not have been Carl's Jr. Oh, wow. It might not have been Carl's Jr. I think it was a car commercial, actually. But it was like... Okay, okay. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember those. I, I mean, those one, those those commercials probably wouldn't play well today. Well, what, was song, what, was this, what was the instrumental that was before Electric Eye? That was That's what was playing during this car commercial. So I can't remember Hellion. the name. You're talking about Hellion? Hellion, Hel- yeah. Hellion Electric Guy? Oh, okay. Oh, this is a car commercial. I don't know. Hey, Judas yeah, Priest yeah. Is, is is athletic. Let's do car commercials, Judas Priest. Yeah, Anyways. Well, basically they were they were mocking like eighties metal as as like was the big joke in the in the commercial. But yeah, so J- Judas Priest is already sold out to some degree. Would you see Judas Priest with one guitar player? Yeah, of course, Judas Priest. <laughs> so then it doesn't I'm matter. Right? It really, it, it really doesn't matter. But at the same time, it's like, dude, you are taking away something from the band. I hope they get a hired gun or something. I got tickets. I got tickets to the show. They're coming. But originally, when I bought tickets, it was two guitars. Now it's one guitarist. I'm still going <laughs> out here in Vegas. I'm, I'm, I don't give a fuck. I'm not gonna miss Priest. You know. And just like you said, and just like you said, that they were a four piece when they did Firepower, basically. So it sounded they, that way when I listened to the record. Like everybody thought it was a best of record, and what I thought was missing was the dual guitar attack on that record. I'm like, I don't hear the back and forth. That's that was me. I, that was a personal opinion, but people loved it. But I, I did listen back to it, and I think I'm right. I listened back to it before the show, and I'm like, let me just make sure I'm not a complete asshole. There's not a lot of dual guitar on Firepower. It's a great record. I'm, but I'm it, here to tell you right yeah. now, I am sure you're a complete asshole. Ah, that's not true. Take it back. You're the sweetest boy in the world. Thank you. I'm a sweet boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to the next story. We're still going to see Judas Priest, but it's disappointing. Fingers crossed KK's back in the band. That would be so fucking awesome. But mm, again, long shot, it seems like, as far as when it comes to the media. But money, 
You're right, bro. I'm with you on that. Next story. Uh, oh God. It's the great, it's the great bridge. I, I want to talk about, and this probably wasn't a big story. Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. He's doing a, he's doing a solo spoken word tour. I got tickets to that too. I'm excited about that because I am like ready to see him on a stage at a house of blues just talking. I don't even know what the fuck he's going to talk about. But I, I I think more legendary dudes should do spoken war show. That's all I'm gonna say. Scott Ian did one. Henry Rollins obviously is the best. Jello Biafra I've seen do him. But like I need more metal guys to do spoken word shows. Like I can see like a Jamie Josta doing a spoken word tour, right? Or someone like Adam D from Kill Switch. Like I think that would be awesome. So Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden, right? He's on. Spoken word right now. And now He's making another solo album. Now, for me, Bruce Dickinson's solo records were pretty flawless, dude. Chemical Wedding is a record I think I've listened to more than uh, maybe three or four Iron Maiden records. <laughs> Not a lot. But, dude, Chemical Wedding is like my go-to with that stuff. Um, uh, so I'm super excited about the solo record. What are your thoughts? Do you think it's like, dude, we don't need the solo record right now. Let's just keep focusing on Maiden and all that stuff, considering you guys just put out a killer new record. What do you think? Well, I mean, he's putting out spoken word. Obviously, he likes to branch out a little bit. Let him do it. I don't mm. understand what the problem is. There is no problem. I'm just wondering yeah. if you're excited about it. No, no, no. I have no problem with bands branching out and doing a solo project. I have no problem with that. They should let Kurt Hammock do solo projects. They should. But it's Metallica, and they just want to keep everybody. You know, Kurt and James just want to white knuckle everybody in the band. Kurt? No, no, you meant Lars and James. Yeah, Lars and James. They just want to white knuckle everybody in the band. Yeah, Yeah. use the use the Kriak. Free Kurt. Free Kurt. (laughs) Free Kurt. (laughs) Get him away from a Wawa pedal. Free Kurt. Yeah, yeah, let him be his own man. He's got pubes. Show him off. (laughs) He's got musical pubes. That's musical maturity, right? That's what. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's actually not a bad. Yeah. Not a bad. He's got musical musical He's, musical he's old enough to do his yeah. own thing and drive his own fucking car. Right? He's, discovered, <laughs> he's discovered himself. He doesn't have to now. Now he can get out there and he doesn't have to discover himself in the bathroom before. Now he can get out there and share it with the world. If Lars and James said, "Fuck it, we're gonna let Kirk write the new Metallica record," would it be worse than Saint Anger? Go. No. Agreed. I, I think I think it would probably be a breath of fresh air. Maybe get some new energy in there. What if they let Kirk and Robert Trujillo write the next Metallica record? And Lars and James said, you know, fuck it. We're going to step back. We're just going to let them do it. And we're going to see what it sounds like. I bet that would be fucking killer because they have shit to prove. It would be awesome. I think it would be awesome. Kirk has shit to prove in Metallica. He's like, I am not just a solo guy. He, Dude, he's got shit to prove, man. And I'll tell you this, if James wanted to do something solo, I have this feeling that he would do like Bob Seger. Country almost. Yeah. yeah he like would a, go like it, it would be something he would like go Bob Seger out. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like America Volume Dealer COC record. It would be something like that. I feel like he's very much on that. But that that adds to the the swagger of the thrash. I think that, that also makes them pretty great. Now the segue that I'm glad you brought up Metallica. Because the next story, maybe the last story we're going to talk about, but I I did want to talk about this, is that Metallic Tool is on tour right now, people in North America. Make sure you're checking them out. The set list is killer if you haven't seen it. If you're, uh, they're doing some deep cuts. It sounds great. Anyways, uh, I've never, I've never seen a song like Hooker with a Penis live and they're playing that right now. So I can't wait till they get out here uh, in Las Vegas and they will be here in, uh, I think a few weeks. You know, what's crazy is I've got to pick between Smith and uh, Adrian Smith and Richie Kotzen is playing out here January 22nd. At a very small venue, I gotta pick that or Tool, and is there, I think the Tool's gonna lose, Ben. <laughs> I think I gotta go see Adrian Smith oh, and Richard Kotzen. I think I got to, bro. How many times have you seen Tool? Oh, 15, 16. My God, bro! I've seen them like I felt like I've seen them once a year since I've, I've been active. They always come to Vegas because they're you know West Coast band, so I've seen them all the time. I just saw them last year. Um. You know, on the, on the or, or like the right before COVID happened. So not last year. Sorry, time's a little fucked up. But uh, right before COVID happened, I saw him, and then so I didn't see him last year, obviously. But yeah, so I think I, I think I'm gonna pass and go see Richard Kotzen and Adrian Smith. I'm really excited about that show in a small venue, bro. It's like a, it's vamped. It's like 150 people can be there. So 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on Tool. And you know what's crazy is Chemist was playing, and I was gonna go see Chemist, and the, that's Vegas for you. Three bands that you want to see, you got to pick on a Friday night. And uh, I was gonna see Chemist, but they they postponed their tour till June, so Chemist got out of the mix, and now I'm going to Smith Cutson. Anyways, people write me. What do you think? I'm an asshole for seeing them instead of Tool. Doubt it. That's going to be fucking cool, man. Well, anyway. <laughs> I mean, you got to take in your past, though. It's like, how many times will I see Smith Cotson? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Zero. You have no idea. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting at. And it's like, you've already seen Tool. And they, they, Tool seems to be in Vegas all the time. All the time, bro. I mean, like I said, we're very lucky that, that we're, I feel like there's a lot of East Coast bands that I never get to see. And then in America, and then there's West Coast bands that I see all the time, you know, like, like when we talk about Mike Patton, I've seen every Phantom Moss, Mr. Bungle, Tomahawk, every faction of a band because he's right there, you know, net near me. So it's like very easy for me to go see him play. And I think people on the East Coast might might be like, dude, I've never seen half of those bands he does. But anyways, um, they did get to see him on that last Dillinger Escape Plan show, which I did not get to see what I wanted to fly to see. Anyways, <laughs> back to what we were talking about. Metallica, which we talked about. Kirk Hammett put out a record. Tool on tour right now. They both have, um, they both hired COVID sniffing dogs for tour safety. Thoughts? Well, typically when I go to a concert and I want to smuggle COVID into the concert, um, I usually just put it in a lot of baggies and then I stuff it up my ass. And then I, you know, and then after that, after you get it into the show, after a beer, you fart it out. After a beer, I fart that COVID out, and uh, we all enjoy it. I've got questions, bro. Like, are dogs going to run up on people and be like, you can't come in here, you got COVID, and, like, bark at them? Well, that's what I'm getting like, at. I, I got like, questions. Or is it going to be like... Dogs' noses, dude. It's just like, that's what I want to know. And it's like, are they going to chase them down? You know, are they going to take them down, uh, like, just drag them down by the arm until... <laughs> somebody zip ties the intendee i feel like like you know capitalism in america where people are like hey i got this thing i'll just sell it to someone you know to make sure there's no lawsuits or anything like that and someone's like i got covid sniffing dogs man but you got to pay me this much and these guys are like done like i just because they have money right. to throw away <laughs> they're like yeah, yeah i'll pay for that i'll pay for that COVID yeah. sniffing dogs i didn't even know it had a smell you know like how do you how do you train a covid sniffing dog to recognize that smell you know, you just walk up and you, you know, get Tom Hanks scent and just say, hey, this is this is what COVID smells like. Yeah. Well, just so you know, if you guys read the story on MetalSucks.net, the dogs are not used to smell concert goers with COVID. It's it's more like a backstage to protect the bands type of thing. So it's not about the audience. Uh, so, but again, if there's a roadie, is a dog just going to attack them and then go get it tested? Like, is that like, I just, the, you see what I'm saying? My questions are like, how is this? process going to work where you can prove this dog wasn't just money out the door <laughs> like, how do you, right yeah how do you... like somebody's carrying like somebody's carrying the drum set and all of a sudden this german shepherd's barking in their face you know yeah be, yeah like, a little alarming if like if you had like a, a a cocaine sniffing dog right there's cocaine sniffing dogs or marijuana i don't know if there's marijuana sniffing dogs anymore there probably yeah, was back in the day right cocaine sniffing dogs like they're looking for like all I can think about is like in Cheech and Chong up in smoke when the the dog is like looking for the marijuana and they bust the nuns. Everybody's seen that movie, so they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, because <laughs> because the, the you know uh, Tommy Chong threw the the joint in the nun's car. That's what I'm thinking about. So how is COVID the same as that? Is there a smell to COVID? That's what I was asking. It's like how do you how do you train a dog to smell COVID? Do you get people that are already infected with COVID? I mean, what do you do? You, Usually with cocaine or marijuana, you tr you put it under the dog's nose. So what do you do? You just get somebody who stinks of COVID and just lets the dog smell them, and now all of a sudden they recognize it. It just I, I, I'm completely confused. <laughs> I'm going to read the three questions that uh, MetalSucks.net posed, and this is obviously uh, this is by Axel. He's the one that uh, put the article up there. So go to MetalSucks.net, check it out. But I'm going to read his three questions because I think we're reiterating that, and then we're going to jump into our our wonderful chat with the uh, the one and only Will Putney. First question. Has a tired dog ever produced a false positive simply by virtue of sitting at an inopportune time? Second question Axel has, doesn't this necessitate those, all those being sniffed, have a second mask on them? I mean, I don't want a dog sticking its nose all over something that is then going next to my mouth, let alone after it's stuck its nose in 10 other people's masks. 
Yeah, it's like using the same tongue depressor by, you know I me. Mean? Question two is a good question. Good job, Axel, there. Third question before we jump into our interview. <clears throat> and I want you guys to know that I'm going to try to read this right, but it, it ends with a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. So I feel like I might fuck this one up. Ready? <clears throat> Probably. Can the dogs be trained to sit for a particular person regardless of whether or not they have COVID? In other words, can someone theoretically pay biodetection canine to provide a dog that will never, ever allow, say, I don't know, Vince Neal to never take the stage again? Again. Just asking theoretically, yes. not suggesting someone should do this oh, theoretically. nudge, oh. nudge, wink, wink. All the hard questions asked by the Metal Sucks team. Give us the answers. Uh, the the company's called Biodetection Canine. Give it to us. We want to know. We it's jump. solid journalism, actually. It's, it's good journalism, man. For sure. But before we jump into our interview, I got something to tell you guys right now. Enterprise Earth is on tour now in support of their latest full length, The Chosen, set for release January 14th, guys. It is out now via MNRK Heavy. Brooding thick with atmosphere and groove-driven old-school death metal with modern flourishes. The Chosen finds Enterprise Earth switching gears from earth-shattering breakdowns to sickeningly slow sludge to blast furnace pummeling with seemingly effortless ease. A masterpiece of monstrosity, brutality, and enveloping ambience. The record was engineered, produced, mixed, and mastered by the band's Gabe Mangold, now the group's sole guitarist, save for the drums, which were tracked with producer Jason Sokoff, who's done work with August Burn Red, Demon Hunter, Death Angel, so many more. So make sure if you guys haven't checked it out, The Chosen will be released on CD, LP, cassette, and digitally. Find pre-ordering options, Enterprise Earth, hyphen thechosen.com once again guys once again guys enterprise earth hyphen thechosen.com make sure you're not missing out on the latest record from enterprise earth the chosen it is out right now with that it's time let's jump into our chat with none other than will putney everybody back on the show i got will putney man we are here to celebrate the latest record from fit for an autopsy oh what the future holds guides it just came out it's out right now make sure you're picking it up if you haven't yet will as a producer and all the stuff you have on audio equipment, I am putting together my home stereo right now. Okay. Uh-huh. And I, go. I got the tape deck, the receiver. I pieced it all together. It's all old. Like, I'll be honest. It's all older Sanyo equipment. And then I got a Sony five disc changer, but it's all in a tower. Awesome. Okay. And I, I was thinking about that. Cause I'm like, I'm going to run into, I'm going to talk to Will later today. What is oh. your home stereo system? Like, is it, are, are you still, are you, old school in some way or is it all kind of newer stuff oh my home stereo sucks i don't <laughs> when you work on music for like 12 hours a day when you have free time you, you don't li- i don't listen to music anymore that's insane yeah I, I it's in the car or if i'm working out it's in headphones but i'm not casually sitting in my living room putting albums on anymore that part of my that ship has sailed my friend <laughs> I, it's break time for me is is not so i haven't prioritized the home stereo if that's what you're asking it's uh, uh it's pretty bare bones totally no i'm getting into it and and will you think i listen to podcasts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no <Exactly>. bro <laughs> it used to be a joy of my life and then you know been doing it for eight years now and i'm like you know i just can't listen to myself talk let alone anybody else anymore <laughs> you know so. yeah I, I get that but i mean i love music i love making oh it. yeah I hear enough of it every day, you know. Absolutely, man, and that's that's what we're here to talk about, man. With the, now, this is the first record that I I feel like everybody I've talked to this last year. It's changed the process of recording because obviously we had a pandemic. There's no deadlines. I feel it gave everybody a little more time because of the uncertainty. Did you take advantage, you and the guys from Fit for an Autopsy, on this record with that? Uh, yeah. We definitely did. I, I, uh, once like our whole year got canceled, like everybody else, you know, we realized it was going to be a scenario where we we're going to be off for a while. I was just like, I just started right and I was able to space it out, um, through multiple sessions and leave stuff, come back to it. Probably wrote more songs than I ever had, you know, for going into a fit record and, um, was able to like cut more stuff, like kind of cut all the fat on the record. And yeah, I think, um, we had a, it was honestly like a pretty easy, relaxed recording experience, not being sandwiched in between tours or having any real deadline in sight for the foreseeable future. So, um, 
it was fun. Like, I actually kind of wish we could do all the records like that. Obviously, I don't wish the other circumstances upon the future, but, you know, it, it was uh, it was a nice time to make music, to be honest. I mean, with, with this lesson, though, do you think that maybe um, as the world gets back to whatever the new normal might be and, and things get a little more easier, especially with the creative side of things, do you think that you'll always want to map out a certain amount of time to replicate kind of this experience? Or do you think you'll just have to adapt to the, the old kind of deadline, quicker way that we used to do things? Um, yeah, I, I think I will. I'll definitely start earlier. Um, like, I think, I'll, I think I'll pull the trigger on recording when I'm a little further along in the process. Like, a lot of Fit stuff, because it's, like, me in the studio, I kind of work through while, I'm, while I have my quote-unquote recording time booked, you know? Um, and then, you know, I, at the end, I'm always, like, grasping for more time and more hours in the day and stuff. So this, this uh, I think I'll probably chip away at more ahead of time, so going into you know the next fit record i'll I'll probably be almost there with everything i want to do so it's so it's just executing at that point nice man yeah i like that i I like i like that a lot of people are learning this uh this kind of different way because um i think with me deadlines knowing when to say when there was always like a stronger compromise where now i feel like with the time it's like i'm utilizing it because it there's a love to creating and a frustration and i feel like it felt less frustrating for a lot of people, it seems that way as far as creating goes, not anything else. Um, and there's a lesson there, if I may, with uh, with the future stuff. Now, one thing I did want to bring up every every time I've talked to you, I always bring up a track that you produced, uh, whether it be with your bands that you're in or other bands. We talked about No Lives Matter. We talked about Map Change, and I want to talk about a track on this record, and that's Far From Heaven. Tell me the story behind this track lyrically and everything like that it was a toss-up between this and the two towers i kept reading the lyrics but i went with this one so tell me all about this track yeah i think like lyrically they're both they both come from very different places you know far from heaven's like pretty direct Mm. i mean it's a pretty for lack of a better word it's a simple song for us like really stompy open very like vocal forward verses and things like that so like I, w- I always wanted to do a song like this for the band where it's like we got space like let's not just pack it with shreddy stuff and fast stuff and let it like let it be more of like a groove open sort of vibe and then i wanted lyrics to not be so weird i guess you know i think i, I was feeling more like i want to go a little on the offense make it aggressive sort of point the finger at the stuff we disagree with and um you know, it's like if you read the lyrics, it's a pretty blunt, you know, aside from maybe the chorus has a little visual or two, but it's sort of painting a picture of all the people that are suffering in the world and how we've drifted, you know, far from heaven is sort of the grand scheme of the song. And, and um, it was like it was just fun to like, you know, we, we it's fun to play. and It was fun to write and just like get in that vibe and intensity for that song. So, yeah, more one of the more literal ones, I would say for sure. It seems like a song that the band's going to play live. They're on tour right now um, and on North America, and they're running that tour all the way till February 12th. North American fans, make sure you're picking up tickets and, and checking out this fantastic lineup with them out there. Um, when when uh, is the band putting that song? Do you know if it's in the set list right now? And is it is it a song that you really, really want to hear and play when you have a chance to with the band? Oh, yeah. we're um, They're definitely playing that song. Nice. Um, it was sort of designed to be a song that would be fun to play live too. You know, like there's some, it's a little slower on purpose. It's not as over the top technical, like it was made to be delivered, you know? And I think, um, everyone was super excited to throw that in the set list for sure. And so far, like the response to it's been awesome live. Um, I know they're, they're having a blast playing it too. So it looks like it worked, you know? Excellent, man. Excellent. Now, this is a, a lot of tours have been getting canceled during this January time, but no problems as of right now. Knock on wood, and everything's going forward with you guys uh, on the tour that we know of. So, people, make sure you're picking up tickets and make sure you're doing the right thing, taking care of the clubs, taking care of the band, showing up as a fan. We're a we're a community, and we keep these tours open. So remember that. That's just a side note, people. Um, anyways, but moving on, dude, um, one of the records you produced last year that I always like to go back to, and that's, we're talking about radical by every time I die was universally acclaimed. One of the favorite records of almost every site that I saw out there. When, when you hear that acclaim, do you know ahead of time, it's got that potential after you work with it for so long, or is it because you're so into it 
that you can't quite tell where it's going to land with the fan base? Um, I think with a band like Every Time I Die, they're just such a consistently solid band mm-hmm. from record to record. Anything they try, there's always we always find a way to pull it off, you know. And and uh, you know when that one was done. I mean, it's it's a 16 song record because nobody wanted to cut a song. Like we couldn't agree on. It was supposed to be 11 or 12, and like we're like, all right, well, we got to figure out some B sides, and then this just like never ending back and forth. Oh, we can't cut this, but we can't cut this. So then it was like, what if it's just all of the songs? You know. Uh, so having a problem figuring out what the weak songs even were was a good indicator. Like, all right, this is pretty good. If like we can't even get the bad song <laughs> you know um so i when that one was done i was definitely i was definitely stoked on it. i had a feeling that would that would work you know they're just such a great band and so easy to work with in the studio like it all just connects in the right way you know where i, I was feeling pretty good about that one beautiful and speaking of length though i mean this is if unless i'm mistaken this is the longest fit for an autopsy record um that i think i own and it worked really well. Um, what is there ever like a, a how long we should put a record out for like when you're doing fit for an autopsy stuff, or do you feel like it can go sixty minutes if need be or something like that? Yeah, I never put a. I never. I didn't even really look at the clock of it till uh, it was like done, and I was like, oh, well, this came out kind of longer, you know, than some of the other ones. But um, yeah, I noticed that kind of some of these like more epic grandiose sort of songs like kind of just require time sometimes now i think in the past i was i used to be a little more worried about like i gotta i gotta i gotta keep trimmed up a little bit um but uh, on this one like there were just songs that needed to be long you know there's definitely there's like a few there's one or two that are six to seven minutes which is definitely not my intention you know I, i i never start a song hoping that it'll be seven minutes long when it's done it's just a, where it landed. So it is what it is to me. Uh, you know, like the record's not, if it was like, if we were clocking in well over an hour or something like that, I would be like a little concerned, but um, I was, I was pretty comfortable with it when it done. It didn't feel, nothing feels like it, it like overstays its welcome or anything like that. So as long as the music feels right, I don't care how long or short it is, you know, perfect no it's under 50 minutes it, it, it's perfect it's it's longer those longer tracks you kind of get they're, they're just a more of a cinematic feel i think to to a couple of those songs and that was a fantastic addition you know obviously we had it in the past records as well but i just felt it it, it, it grew a little bit more for the listener so it was fantastic i think everybody's going to agree with me 100 percent when they get their ears on this record now one thing i do like to talk about because in aggressive music there is a lot of it that's feeling emotion you know and just raw but a message usually always really matters to me as a as a listener. As an artist, is it important to know the message that you're saying when you are writing lyrics or or saying something out to the world? Despite if you know people people need a booklet to read some of the lyrics, is that very important to you? Uh, it is. It is important to me. I I don't know if every fan who likes aggressive music or this style of music cares that much or puts that much stock into it uh actually i know they don't you know because i definitely uh you know talking to other people and kids and fans who like our band that don't even know sometimes what we're talking about or what we but what our belief systems are and how it's integrated into our music it's it's uh you know it can be a superficial form of release for a lot of people but for us like i definitely care greatly about the message that I try to put into the lyrics that I write. And I think um, the music that I gravitate towards, I'm, I also have to sort of find that connection or like understand what, what I'm, what I'm listening to. You know, like I don't, all of my favorite bands have some kind of message that I can grab onto and, and that like inspires me or makes me think or kind of points me in a direction to look at something, you know? So it, it's, it's a, uh, it's definitely something important for the band, something that we'll always continue like, to carry, you know, through through our lyrics and our career. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny because we do have fans that almost like could potentially disagree with what we say. You know, like we're, we're obviously like, you know, we're more of a left leaning band, and we go at societal issues and sort of environmental things, and and it's definitely 
you know, and then, you know, there's like kind of more of a, a redneck bro from the Midwest who's like totally disaligned with us, but loves our music, you know, and I can appreciate that there are sometimes people just want to hear a cool riff and don't want to argue about politics or policy or anything like that. Um, so I think it serves a purpose for different people, you know, um, for us, it's important to talk about what we believe in and what we think is wrong with the world. And, and uh, we'll continue to do that. No, I agree with you. And same with as a fan, like I think that um, lyrics that I can, even when they're hard to like understand the clear message, if I can relate to that in any way, uh, shape or form, it's it's vital for me to want to continually buy physical copies and continually get that booklet. It's it's such an important thing. And, and I think any band that doesn't have a direct message, I think needs to get one because it's it's important that we know you know, who we're connecting with and who we're listening to. I think all that stuff is vital, especially in modern times, because, you know, commenting and certain things are, are almost as important as, um, any other, any form of art. Do you agree with that kind of statement? Like the, it, knowing where people stand, I guess, before you consume their art, it is, unfortunately, I don't know if it's unfortunate or fortunate. It is important these days. Do you agree with that? Uh, I do. I think it's a bummer because, mm-hmm. There have been, you know, artists that I had kind of looked up to or respected over the years who then sort of take a weird turn or do something that's sort of uh, uh, off color or like that, that or that's something that it definitely puts a bitter taste in your mouth, you know. And I, you know, the guys that can separate the art from the artist, it, it, I, I, good, I'm, I, I'm envious of that ability, you know. Because it is hard to come back to like wanting to support someone who you you can't see eye to eye with on things. You know, it, it's it's not that this not that this band or guy in this or musician is my enemy per se, but it's like, man, if I'm gonna buy a record, go to or go to a show or support or support someone, like I kind of want it to be someone who I think is doing something good or doing something right. So it's like, it's definitely a big strike against the a particular artist. So. It has, I guess, in a way, it definitely has crept into my, you know, musical preferences and tastes where I I do try to avoid stuff where I'm like, I really don't agree with what people think or believe, you know. Um, And then there's like, for sure, no fly zones, you know, Mm -hmm. like where there's bands that are just so where I think are just so wrong with what kind of hard stances they take, whether it's like stupid racist stuff or whatever where it's like yeah i don't care how good your band is like you'll i'll never you know like you'll uh, you'll never have a fan in me you know and uh yeah i mean you that's you you find a balance in your life i think where it's like what do i tolerate what what like do i keep do i let do i let the actions of people keep me from enjoying things in life or by choosing not to support a particular artist or group am i doing something good and you just like kind of find what gives you peace you know but uh yeah for me it definitely has become a thing especially over the last few years and and uh it's a bummer because there's plenty of uh bands that i would like if they were an asshole (laughs) you know I agree a thousand percent. And I always see myself as like a marketing. I always wear metal shirts, go in public, whatever, you know, go to the gym. And whenever you see a metal guy wearing the same shirt, you always point at each other. It's like, all right, we're, we're, we're in the same team. But like knowing that I'm marketing something, I have to be aware of what's on my chest. I never did that before. Um, but I, I now I'm very, very aware of like, all right, what's on my chest? What am I representing? Because in a lot of ways, I'm aligned with it, you know? I think that's just something that we have to deal with just as as consumers and as fans of our music. For our scene to rise to the intelligent level that I know it is and see it is, we have to somehow not let the ignorance outshine the intelligence. And that seems to be hard in media and everything. Do you kind of agree with that a little bit too? Um, I do. I do think like I'm definitely I've kind of made it a point slowly in my life to start to support people or brands or companies or whatever it is that I think are actually doing something positive, mm-hmm. you know, for the world and not a negative. And I think, um, you know, back like to what you were saying, how you, you, you're kind of a walking advertisement for something if it's on you, you know, and, and it's like it, it is reflective of you and. I realized that too. It was like, Hey, I've, I should be, 
I should try to always, you should always try to be putting forward what's going to help, not what's going to hurt, you know? Um, and, and I think, um, over the years, like, it's just like, it's a consumer choice. If you can, if you have the luxury of being able to choose, you know, which, you know, not all, not all people in the world do, but luckily I can choose what I'd like to buy or support or, or wear or, or drive or, you know, and it's like, you just, you try to work at the choices in your life as best as you can so that you're, you're putting forward the good, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thousand percent. And it, it takes an effort and it takes, uh, for me, I think it takes years to kind of like, you know, just live and, and realize, you know, a couple things too. I, I, again, when I was a younger person, I just didn't have the intelligence or wherewithal of a lot of things that I, I think I do now. And for me to ignore that, um, I've been alive for, I'm 40 years old, you know, 40 years on this planet and didn't learn some hard lessons from some people I thought were cool that weren't, you know, like that would be a disservice for those below me in a lot of ways, you know, not the fact too, that it's like hard to exist on earth and not have mm-hmm. some kind of negative footprint footprint. You know, I mean, we, we, we deal with it all the time because we have very like pro environmental lyrics. And then there's, you know, some guy on YouTube is like, yeah, how, how could you even say that you guys all have iPhones? And it's like, well, yeah, they didn't make the eco phone yet. Like, I would for sure buy it if it if it was here. But like, I do need to call mom, you know. So it's like, I, you know, you're you're presented with choices that aren't always great either. So it's like you have to you have to like navigate through all that too, and just try to do the least amount of harm, you know. And and I think, um, yeah, it's it, it's dark at times to be like there isn't even really an option, you know. If you're in a if you're in a of of a band and you're on tour in Nebraska and it's midnight and it's after a show and you got to go get something to eat. Like all the options you have are like giant corporate super villains, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, so it's like, what do you do? Do you starve to death or do you go get French fries at the evil place? So it's like, like life is, is like, it hasn't been made easy for you, you know? And it's like, you have to, you have to just like do your best and hope for the best. But that's like, as long as you try, it's something, you know. And I agree. I think awareness. Me, as long as you're, you try and you're aware, it is what it is. But yeah, life is difficult for everybody on this planet, and the consumer does have this amazing amount or a great voice of uh, if they used it collectively. But convenience, to me, I've always said convenience breeds ignorance in myself and everything else. But when things are easier, I'm always going to run there than when they're hard because time is so important and vital. The world moves fast now, you know? Um, so convenience is always going to, going to win sometimes when I, I, I should be better. But the fact that I can acknowledge that is I think where a lot of us don't is, is where we're having a conflict. It's like, no, it's just the acknowledgement and willing to try to change a little bit is good. Like I don't have a Nike logo on my chest because I know how that stuff's made where I did my entire youth. It wasn't a big deal to me, you know? Um, and just a little bit of that kind of educating yourself is important. And that's something that is a positive of the, of the internet time, you know, that you can actually see these things. But, um, when it comes to messaging with music and stuff like that, because there's so much that you can choose from, is it hard to focus on like one topic and be like, this is what I'm trying to say? Um, it can be. I do think a lot of the ideas are interchangeable because a lot of the problems in the world, or at least a lot of the stuff that I like to write about, the things that piss me off the most, like all are kind of intertwined. You know, there's not like everything isn't, every problem isn't necessarily compartmentalized in that sense where it's like it all goes to a bigger picture so we do write songs that stay broad on purpose because it's like well this is all a disaster you know and um you know i'll i'll try to go for specific things and sometimes it'll turn into more of like oh well this is actually the bigger problem maybe it's better to talk about this you know like people i've been asking a few interviews if i wrote a song about the, the the pandemic you know and i was like no i didn't actually because there it the problem is bigger than just like okay there's a virus in the world the problem is like on a grand scale like that there's systematic failure to be able to take care of people you know and 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 then where's that come from and it's just the snowball that keeps going so it's like yeah i mean things can go as wide as you want if you just think about them hard enough you know and uh i've definitely 
you know, it's definitely taken my, at least for fit, it's taken our songs into places where maybe initially I was mad about something and then it turned into like, well, now nah, it's actually this. And now I'm even more mad, <laughs> you know? So yeah, it, it can be tricky, but I do try to focus it on things that I think are important at, at, a, at a given time, you know? Absolutely. Let me ask you this question and hopefully this doesn't go off topic, but I had this conversation with someone a little while ago and they told me that I'm too agreeable and being agreeable is not a good way to live your life. What do you think about that as a human being? Should you be more agreeable to those that you do, you know, I guess disagree with, or do you feel like it's always important to say how you feel, even if people aren't willing to listen? I I always believe in picking my battles. Mm -hmm. Always. Yeah. Like I, uh, it, there, there's the argument that's totally not worth it for me where I'll just go, yep. Okay. Sure. Happy to do that. Whatever it is, you know, like, uh, I think you've got a certain amount of energy reserved to do things that are important for you. And, and, and if you've got a, you, you, if you're struggling through life and you need to make your little stand on your hill, like you just have to pick what is really worth going to bat for and arguing for. And, you know, I, uh, I definitely let stuff slide in my life or if I get into it with whatever, because I try to keep a bigger picture in mind and just think about what's actually important to me. You know, I'm a, I'm the same, but I'm like, I just, I'm just kind and I don't start the fight. I always feel if, if I'm, if I reached a certain point in my life from whatever lessons other than be hard or just from living, if I go talk to people and when listen that are behind me that I've already passed that lesson, I feel like I get pulled back mentally. Um, sure. trying to, I'm like, no, no, you already passed this level. Why are you going back? Why are you warping back, Mario? You know, so like stay forward. <laughs> and so in essence, I, I find myself in a lot of ways um, not communicating with words anymore um, as much as I, I used to think they're the most important thing in the planet, you know, and and I feel like words, I hate to say words don't matter. They do matter, but I, I they only matter to those that are willing to show kindness and empathy to me. And I know that shuts off a lot of people, but um, I guess that's where I've evolved to. Is that you think that's negative for society, or you think that's kind of a positive way as an individual? Um, I think you need people who are on the offense all the time. Mm. I do. You know, I think I think it's what really actually can get stuff done. It's the guy who won't shut up who can eventually get other people to listen. To, at, at, sometimes in this world, especially with all the noise of everyone having a voice you know um it definitely takes actions too though you know it, you can't just complain and bitch and moan about a problem and do nothing about it and expect it to change you know mm. everyone has a right to be mad and, and and point a finger at someone you know but like in, unless there's an action to serve a consequence to something that's bad nothing will change you know so it's like but i mean there are people who are consistently out there who are just fighting for what they believe in. And, and, and those are the people who really do get stuff done over time, you know, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know if I'm the kind of person who's built for that the same way you, you know, you've just described how you enter, how you go through life. So it's like, I do the little part that I can and, and it kind of stops there. I'm also, I'm also happy to be a little dumber for lack of a better word. Like the, the deeper I go down the rabbit hole with some of the with with some of the things that piss me off, the more I realize I don't really know what I'm talking about. Like, so I I'm scratch I, like I scratch at the surface of things that I think are wrong, and uh, I realize that like I would be a very dark person if I just let it consume me, like to the point where I don't think I would enjoy my life whatsoever, you know. And um, I've like found a balance that keeps me from losing my mind, I guess. And, and that's how I roll. But I, I, uh, some people are just all in on it, you know, and I respect that because I don't know if I'm built for it. Exactly. You nailed it. And that's how I feel too. I feel like I would get in the way. I feel like I'm very good at, at standing out of the way and supporting, but I feel like I would get in the way if I let how I truly felt a lot of times and the words that I want to say and the, uh, I guess the aggression that I want to show, I, I just know that I would be the loser in the long run of it all. Um, because I, don't I, know where I, would, I don't know where I would be, but I think you'd probably just be reading about me in the papers one day. Uh, <laughs> same like, way, yeah. Where I was like, that's where this ends. So 
maybe we meet it in the middle, you know? Absolutely, man. And I, my time's almost running out. So I do want to promote one more time, people, everybody out there, if you haven't got your hands on, Oh, what the future holds the latest from fit for an autopsy. It is awesome guys. Make sure you're picking it up. Make sure North America, you are supporting the tour. It's running all the way till February 12th. Check tour dates and everybody in Europe and UK fit for an autopsy is booked right now to show up in May. So make sure you guys are picking up tour dates for that. you got to hear some of these songs live. It's a fantastic record. Oh, What the Future Holds is out. Now, last question I do want to bring up. You put out a record for End. End does have a tour coming out in March in North America. Um, tell me uh, how you guys feel about that tour. Are you going to be a part of that tour? And any of the information that we can to promote that a little bit as well. Sure, yeah. I am going to be on that tour. End is uh, obviously a little more scaled back as far as its touring schedule compared to Fit, so I'm able to do that stuff because there's I've got another producer in that band and a bunch of guys. It's more of a it's a vacation for us, for lack of a better word, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's March 4th to 23rd. It's just hitting at some select cities across America. We've been we put a record out June of 2020, you know, so we've like literally never been able to play it. And, uh, we were like, we got to at least get out there and do this once, you know? So, um, we're all really excited about that too. Um, hopefully it, everything goes off without a hitch, but yeah, we'll be in America in March and in, uh, Europe in, uh, in May, we just announced some dates too. So, you know, follow, follow end on the socials. If you want more info there too. Excellent, guys. And that record is Splinters from an Ever-Changing Face. It came out in, in June of 2020, I believe. But make sure if you guys haven't checked that out, you definitely do. And then make sure you're picking up, guys. Oh, What the Future Holds by Fit for an Autopsy. It's out right now. Fantastic. Both records. Great job, Will. As always, man, I want to thank you so much, dude, for calling in and having a chat with me here on the Metal Sucks Podcast. Of course, man. I always appreciate it. These are fun conversations. I like questions that aren't the same, so thank you for hitting me with thought-provoking stuff for sure <laughs> i gotta tell you man i learned what like i just i learned from talking to other humans it's like you're i'm, I'm using you in a way to help me <laughs> so you know there you go. and it's it's a good okay. thing because we all we all get we all understand the aggressive music and that my friend that means that uh we, we understand each other a little bit more
the Metal Sucks Podcast. Sucks Podcast. God cares for you. Are you going through a hard time? God cares for you. And so do we.
I noticed that you seem a good bit calmer today, more relaxed than you were last week when you first came in the hospital. Have you been receiving some kind of medication? We are back, my friends. First song you heard is off the latest record from Fit for an Autopsy, Oh What the Future Holds. That track is a little slower, but it's a fucking badass song dude two towers second song me and will talk about in the interview a song that i can't get out of my head is far from heaven those first two songs two towers far from heaven is off the latest record oh what the future holds make sure you guys are picking it up man it is fucking awesome third song you heard is off his other band end that track is called hesitation wounds we talked about the tour happening in March. Don't miss this, guys. It's going to be awesome to see that that band live. Obviously, I never have. It's something I'm looking to see if I can travel to do here in North America. Their latest album, Splinter, it's from an ever-changing face, is out now. The track is Hesitation Wounds, as I mentioned. Make sure you're checking that out. Fit for an Autopsy's latest record, Oh, What the Future Holds, and Ends, Splinter's from an ever-changing face are both out right now. With that... I want to thank everybody out there for the five-star reviews we keep getting on the good old Apple iTunes. That's all we care about as a show, man. We're not looking for comments. We're not looking for nothing. If you guys can beef us up on that Apple iTunes, give us a little five-star review. That's that's what keeps us going, man. We don't ask for anything else. We pump up these shows every week. So lucky I get to talk to all these dudes all the time and ladies and everybody in our scene. Love, love promoting these music. Love everything about it. But that five-star review lets me know that, hey, you guys are appreciative, and I, and I, and I really hope you guys can do that. And also... Check out our other podcast, the documentary podcast, discussion podcast. Rise to Offend is the name of it. It's about artists that have offended the masses in some way, okay, and their legacy today. We've done Peter Steele. We've done Marilyn Manson. We've done Chuck Schuldiner from Death. We've done authors like Charles Bukowski, John O'Brien. Um, we've done Cleveland Browns for sports fans. We've done Floyd Mayweather Jr., you know, Colin Kaepernick. We've done a lot on that program. If you guys are interested in a completely different format than what we do here, discussion, documentary, Rise to Offend is the podcast you need to check out. With that, you're all the best out there. We love you. Till next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off.